Well, good morning. It's good to be in God's house today. Good to have you at home to be with us. Thank God for His presence in this house this morning. Would you stand as we go to the Word of God today? Pastor called me Friday and asked if I would fill in for him today because there's sickness in his home. Uh, Sister Kim is sick and we uh, are praying for her. Amen? And those who are affected by illness, uh, we are praying for them. If you have your Bibles, we want to turn to Ephesians, the third chapter, and we're going to read one verse, verse 20. If we'll bring that up on screen. Okay, it's not in the back. <laughs> so, okay, look at this passage. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. You've got to get that. Let's go over it again. Now unto him that is able, able to do what? To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Father, take this word and make it alive and feed us from your word and let us receive it as strength to us spiritually and let us live it out before men, the power that is within us. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak this morning on the simplicity of power. Now, after you just heard that scripture, you are, I'm sure there's question marks in your mind. What do you mean about the simplicity of power when we've just talked about this passage that just blows up the power of God into such a magnitude? But we'll find out what I'm talking about before it's over. There's a current um, or a recent contemporary gospel song that I'd like to share with you this morning. And these are the words. It's called The Same Power is the title of the, of the song. I can see water raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear God's children singing out, We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. 
This same power that rose Jesus from the grave, this same power that can calm the raging sea, lives in us, lives in us. We have this hope that His promises are true. In His strength, there is nothing we can't do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. Greater is he that is living in me. He conquered our enemy. No power of darkness, no weapon prevails. We stand here in victory. Can someone say amen? Now, as Christians, we have to face the harsh reality that all around us is realities that are not what we as Christians want to be whole or to experience. We're living in a climate that is getting worser in the sense of a satanic influence and a secular mindset that is predominant in society around the world. The lyric speaks of circumstances that the writer of this song had in mind, some things. He, he had to have some things in mind when he said some of the phrases in this song. And he doesn't have time to go into detail and to explain what he has in mind, but he makes statements like this. I can see water raging at my feet. Now, he doesn't tell us what that is, but I would like to let you know what comes to mind when I hear that lyric. I think of the culture, the culture that is the secular mindset that is trying to push itself on every person. If we are believers... It is trying to silence our voice in the midst of this cultural waters that are raging. It's a revolution. Our world is in turmoil. Whoever thought of a day that we would be trying to defund the police and that police would become the enemy? How, when would we think of the day when the flag would be disrespected like it is today? What what can our mind comprehend when we, we think about how the radical change that, that is teaching our children conflicting views from Scripture and are doing it openly without rebuke? Who thought of a day like this where there would be such a sexual revolution that would turn everything that is of biblical value as to being something obsolete and, and is no longer relevant. But we're living in that time where modern thought is, is considering biblical values as na naive, as outdated, as obsolete. This consideration is such that it is leading people to put the thoughts of man that we are prejudiced because of our beliefs. And that because they are tithing us as prejudiced, 
they're putting it in the same category of other items that are considered prejudice that they stand against and they even make laws against. So don't be, a, don't be, uh, a, don't be surprised when that prejudice may lead to laws against us as believers for what we believe as biblically sound truth from Scripture. Everything is coming against us. Television, movies, commercials is trying to undermine and brainwash the people of America and the world with a mentality that if it feels good, you do it. You have a right to do it. And no one has a right to tell you anything different. Then there's a second point he makes in the song. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. Not only with what we've just talked about, but there is a mindset that is breathing upon us of secular and religious pressure to accept the deception of compromise. Do you know that there is a pressure against us as conservatives and as evangelical Christians because we believe that there is only one God and His name is Jehovah God and that there are no gods but God, Jehovah. And yet, because we believe it, we are considered narrow-minded again. You see, there is only one God, and if we say that, if we believe that, if we practice that, we are not politically correct. And so, therefore, the voice of everybody else can be heard. The voice of everybody else can say what they want to say, but the voice of the church and the voice of God and the voice of truth, they don't want to hear. Prominent ministers are buying into this deception and are saying that we need to come together, that we need to coexist together with all religions because they're, they're, all gods are the same, that they're all leading to the same destination. And so, therefore, we who believe that there's only one God are feeling the breath of this kind of pressure on us. And how can we live with confidence when these waters, these cultural waters are rising around us? How can we be confident when we are having the breath of secularism and deception of religion around breathing on us. But we know because the power that commanded the Jesus to be raised from the dead, the command of waking up the dead, the command of mountains being moved, and the command of rivers and seas being uh, uh, calmed uh, is the same power that lives within each and every one of us. Now, there is a powerful force out there, but there is also a powerful force within us, the body of Christ and the children of the living God. This power is enough to conquer our enemy and to come against the darkness of our world. And the weapons that are being formed against us will not prosper against the body of Christ. And if persecution comes from that, it will, we will even grow stronger because of it. 
Because we know what we believe is in the Word of the living God. Now let's go back to the Scripture of Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto Him that is able... What is, are we, what is God able to do? He said God is able to do exceeding. But he wasn't satisfied with that. He said he is able to do exceeding and abundant. And he wasn't satisfied with that. He said he is able to do exceeding abundant above. But he wasn't satisfied with that. He said he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all. And he wasn't satisfied with that. And then he says, he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask. All we ask. But that wasn't enough. He said, he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Wow. What a powerful verse about the power of God. But then he saves the best to last. He surprises us and says that this power is in us. This power is in us. <clears throat> I need some water, Vicky. <clears throat> this power is within us. Now I think most of us would be honest, we would say, really? Really, this power is in us? Most of us think when we think of power, we think of miracles. We think of healings. We think of spiritual manifestations. These are biblical and are expected in the body of Christ. There is, <clears throat> there is power in the church in these areas. But we can overlook the power that's simple. The simplicity of power that is within us. I believe that we can experience supernatural things in our life and in the lives of those we minister to. But let us not overlook the simplicity of the power that can come through ordinary daily life, daily living as a Christian. We, are, we must challenge ourselves today to see that there are opportunities that are all around us. And what we've got to do when we get up every day is say to ourselves, how can I use the power that is within me to make a difference in somebody's life today? And what I'm going to share with you in the next few moments are examples of what I'm talking about so that you can understand what I'm saying. The first is the simplicity of power of compassion. You can take compassion where you can't take a Bible. You can take a uh, compassion where you can't put an, a religious object on your desk at work. You can take compassion 
when they won't let you to talk maybe about Christ at work, but you can take compassion with you. I remember an incident where a lady from my church back in my last pastorate, she came to me one day and we were doing a distribution of food and we did it every month. And she came to me and she said, I think we need to have a prayer line. When these people come, we need to pray over them and their needs. And I said, well, you know, it's a great idea. I like that idea, but then I, I'm a little hesitant because I don't want them to feel like that we're pressuring them when they come. So one day, she comes and knocks on my door. Knock, knock, knock. Pastor, I've got 12 people lined up ready to pray. Are you going to pray for them or do you want me to? I said, well, if they're ready to be prayed for, I'm going to go pray for them. So I go in and I see this line of people who are there for prayer. But one of them caught my eye. He was a boy, 12 years old. His hair was shaven. He was frail. He was weak. He had cancer. I'd never seen this boy before. This is my first encounter with him. I prayed, laying my hands on everybody that was in the line. But when I got to him, I put my arms around him. And I held him to my chest. And I prayed over him. Because compassion, the compassion of Christ went out of me for this child. It was a few days later I got a call from the mother of this child. And she said, my son, Blake, you prayed for him in our line, at, in your line there at the distribution of food. And he wants you to come see him. Now, I've never met this kid before. But now he's wanting me to come and visit. So I go and visit him. Well, he goes back to the hospital again. Mama, call that preacher. Ask him to come and see me. Well, this became repetitive over time. And it got where I even went to his house and visited with him. I remember he wanted before he died. He wanted a little a cassette or a, 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 a CD that was, I can only imagine. And I got it for him. He received it the day before he died. But when he died, that song was playing the moment of his death. I can only imagine. And I kept wondering, why was this child so drawn to me? Why did he call for me at every opportunity? Why did I get the chance to even preach his funeral? And my daughter came to me one, night, one day, and I was hurting because some things were happening in the church that was disturbing me. And my daughter came up to me, and she put her arms around me, and she held me, 
And all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, it was because that hug of compassion bonded us together. A hug and prayer of compassion bonded us together. There is power in simplicity of just having compassion for someone else. Then there's the simplicity of obedience. My wife was driving to work. Vicki was driving to work one day. And God spoke to her to go speak to a judge that was in town. She knew his lifestyle. She knew that he wasn't a Christian. And God was speaking to her to go witness to him. She started to work. She heard that impulse. She rejected it. No, he don't want me to come. It's early in the morning. Driving on. Holy Spirit, still working. You need to go see him. There's a purpose. I've got a reason. You've got to get there. After two or three times, she finally gives in and turns in the direction of where he lived. And she got there. And she found this judge was in a state of mind of suicide. That man did not take his life. But he didn't get saved until a few years later. And I was able become a friend of him and his, and his wife. And I was able to be at his baptism where he was baptized in water. That man was spared eternity in hell because someone obeyed God to go and be a representative of God in that moment to a man who was desperate in taking his own life. There is power in the simplicity of obedience. Then there's the power, the simplicity of power in presence. My sister, Alabama, uh, followed me there uh, because her health was declining. And there was a family from my church that lived in the same apartment complex at that time. And they would, uh, they would do special things for my stepmother. One night I was teaching my Wednesday night class and I, I asked the question, where did you see God today? Where did you see your God today? Well, people said in flowers and sunrise, sunset, the clouds, whatever. But my stepmother spoke up and said, I saw God today. I said, Mama. Where did you see God? She said, two little children came to my door and knocked on it and brought me a meal. And they sat down and played a game with me because they knew I was lonely. I saw God today. The simplicity of power. The power of presence. Then there's the simplicity of power of observation. Vicki and I was at a restaurant in Lenore City, and it was Christmas time. And 
it was getting near the Christmas day. We were there on a Saturday, and this waitress came, as she was supposed to, and she had a sad countenance. You could tell something was disturbing her. So I, I, I asked her, I said, uh, is there something wrong? It seems like your countenance is sad. She said, yes, I was supposed to be off today, but they called me in. And I told my manager that today was special because my family were all going to be together and some of them are out of town and I never get to see them. And it just breaks my heart. I can't be with my family. And I said, well, I tell you what, my wife and I, when we pray for our meal, we're going to remember you and we're going to pray for you. She went away sad. Before that meal finished, she came back with a smile on her face and she said, I don't know what happened, but my manager just told me I could go home. I said, we prayed for you. The significance of observation. The significance of listening to the Holy Spirit. I had an encounter right here at this seat. When I was here pastoring, I would come in and turn the lights out and I would sit right here and I would pray. And one day I was praying and the Holy Spirit just broke into my prayer and said, send your son a text. I said, that seems strange. And the Lord told me what to say. He said, pray blessings, protection, and favor in the name of Jesus. I had, I'm going, Lord, what, is, what does this mean? I don't understand. But I stopped my prayer, got my phone, and I text those words. Son, I pray blessings. I pray protection, and I pray favor over you in the name of Jesus. That was on a Tuesday morning. A week from that day, it did not get away from me. I prayed about that every day. I didn't understand what it meant. But a week from that day, on a Tuesday night, I got a call from my daughter, and my daughter said, Dad, Kristen is fighting for his life. He's already gone out at the house, and they've had to re try to revive him. What happened was he was getting ready to go to bed, and all of a sudden he fell back on the bed and then rolled into the floor. And his wife thought he was just joking around, but she got down and she couldn't feel he wasn't alive. She had presence of mind to call 911, but while she talked to the person on the line, she said, the lady said, you count. She said, no, you count, lady. I'm going to pray. And she prayed over him until they got there. But he still had no response. 
They shocked him back there in the house, and then on the way to the hospital, they had to shock him back twice on the way. When they got there, they put him, might as well say, life support. The next day, those men that came to pick him up brought a sympathy card to the house and said, we are so sorry for your loss. His mother-in-law said, what? He's in the hospital. He's still not well, but he is, he is alive. But they were so sure he was going to die, they brought a sympathy card to the house. He was unconscious from Tuesday until Saturday. The doctors told us that his heart was totally destroyed in the first front part of his heart. And they said, we're, we're, we're just not sure during those days of non-response how much his brain will be affected by him being out so long. So on Sunday... They took another test, and he came back out. This, this was a doctor that was filling in. It was Labor Day weekend, and he was filling in for the doctor that had gone on vacation. And he came out, and he says, I don't know what's happened here, but your son, your husband, has experienced a miracle a miracle. He said, now, we have to wait for your regular doctor to confirm this. So he comes in on Tuesday and he says, hey, what happened to you? There's been a miracle in your life. There is no damage to your heart. You have no blockages. Only thing that's in, is in your heart is enlarged, and that was in September. By December, the doctor said, your heart is normal. It is not enlarged. I wish I could. <laughs> the power of listening to God. Now, I want to explain why. At, those, at that moment when I was sitting right here, I didn't know what blessings were to be. I didn't know what protection was to be. I didn't know what favor was to be. But I found out because the doctor said if this had happened to him while he was in bed, he would have never been revived. He would have died. The blessing was it happened before he went to bed and his wife was right there to try to work on him until they could get there. You see the blessing? Okay, the protection is he went out three different times. He died three different times, but he's alive today. Do you know what the favor is? After I found this out, I wanted to kill him myself. He dropped his insurance. He had no insurance. But I want to tell you what the favor of God was. He walked out of that hospital with $110,000 on his bill. In a few days, it was all marked off. 
And they said, if you have any heart problem within the next year, it will be covered. But he didn't need it. Can you give God the glory and give him praise? Do you know what I'm telling you today is the simplicity of power. The simplicity of power, of compassion, of obedience, of presence, of observation, of listening to the Holy Spirit. So I want you to stand right now in the presence of this God who has all power. He can perform miracles. He can heal and he does work in supernatural manifestations, but he can also work in the simplicity of everyday life. And that's what we often as Christians, especially Pentecostals, we look for it in some big way when it can happen just through small things. So I want to ask you today, do you want the simplicity of power? Do you want the simplicity of power? that you can make a change in someone's life as simple as a hug, as simple as a meal at the door or playing a game with an older lady, as simple as just listening to the voice of God, being obedient. If you would like to be that kind of person and you'd like to pray about it right now, would you right now just close your eyes and raise your hand and say, God, give me the simplicity of power. Give me the simplicity of power. Open my eyes to everyday opportunities. Oh, God, help me to realize every day is an opportunity for me to bring the presence of God into someone else's life so that they can have an encounter with His love and His compassion and His grace. Oh, God, use me. Use us. Let us realize how simple it is to be a minister of the gospel. Help us to realize how simple it is to make an impact on someone's life. His presence is here to impart in us his desire. The Bible says about Jesus that when he looked upon the crowds, he looked upon them with compassion. There's going to be people you're going to meet this week that doesn't look like maybe you want them to look, but see them through the eyes See him through the eyes of God. Let him realize that the Christian encounter that they can have with you can have a positive effect on their life. Is there anyone here today that would say, Pastor, I talked with uh, Pastor Dyer and he agreed with me that I would not have an open altar call front, but that we would have it there at the seat. That if any of you need prayer this morning, would you just lift your hands right there where you are? And the people that are around you are going to observe, and we're going to pray for you.
Would you raise your hand if you're in need of prayer this morning? That we can pray for you and your need. There's hands. If you see who they are, would you go to them? And would you pray for them? Not touching them, but just being in proximity to say, I'm with you. I care. Lord Jesus, you saw the hands that were raised this morning, and I just pray that you will work in their life. It's not defined with us what their need is, but it is open before you. Before they even ask, you said that you know what we need. So God, we just bring it to you, and we bring it together as a body of Christ. We stand not alone, but we stand together in a unity of a body of Christ. And we put our faith together to believe not only for those who have needs that are in this room today, but also for those who are at home that have the needs that did not allow them to come to the house of the Lord today. We pray for them that be strengthened by your presence and you, you would work in their lives and they will feel even where they are the presence of God is with them and that you care about their need and we give you all praise and glory and honor because you are definitely worthy you are definitely worthy pastor asked me to mention Jim Blodgett that he has cancer it's come back and that he's not doing well so please as you leave remember him in your prayers. You're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.